Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? All right, that's good. Mixed, mixed results there, but that's all right. I, I had a good one. I, I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays, food, family, fun. Uh, I try to be a thankful person, and once a year, everyone joins in with me, so that's cool. Um, and this year was really exciting because uh, who knows what's happening, that has been happening over the last week. Anyone know? The World Cup, that's right. The World Cup's been happening. Uh, I, I'm really excited. Uh, I, I've been watching the U.S. I always love watching the U.S. It's kind of like a, watching a team that you're so invested in and you're just waiting for them to lose because you know it's going to happen at some point. It's really painful and, and gives me tons of anxiety. Uh, but I love it still. Uh, this year, because my wife's Brazilian, I get a root for Brazil, which might, they might actually win, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun. Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm missing one of the games right now just to talk to you people. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. I love you that much. It's all right. Uh, yeah, so um, Thanksgiving's over, though. So we move on to Christmas. Who, who decorates before Thanksgiving? Okay, I'll pray for you all. All right. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I don't. I honestly don't care. I'll listen to Christmas music in July. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, but this is now widely accepted as the time you're allowed to decorate for Thanksgiving. So uh, I'm sure you are for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. Uh, so I'm sure you guys are all busting those out and getting ready um, if, if that's what you do. But we as a church, what we like to do every year is to prepare for uh, Jesus's birth. The king, our king is coming. Uh, and we get ready and we think about this every year and we do something called Advent. Uh, and that's, that's just the, a fancy word to say that a notable person is coming. And spoiler alert, it's Jesus. Uh, and we know uh, that that's happening every year and we celebrate it every year. But something that I feel is missing every once in a while is understanding the importance and significance of Jesus coming to earth. And what I mean is, I think a lot of people understand that that's a a big deal, but I think a lot of people think that it's just because of what Jesus will do with his life, that he's going to live a life, perform miracles, give messages, and ultimately die and raise again. And all that's really important and significant. But you gloss over the fact that he came in the first place. And that's a significant and important thing for us to understand, because everything in our world operates on a different paradigm. It, It works differently. We always think, and every other religion works this way too, and, and most of our jobs, everything around us works where we have to ascend by accomplishments or talents or abilities or fame or popularity or whatever, and you have to work your way up to get to the place you want to go. But what we celebrate here every year is about a God who comes down to be with us, who came to be with us. Before Jesus ever died for any of us, before he performed any miracles or gave any messages, he came to be with us. And that's a hugely significant thing that we celebrate every year, and I want us to be prepared for that. I want us to be thinking about that. I want our hearts to be focused in on that um, this year, that we are each week preparing our hearts to remember and reflect on the fact that Jesus, our God, our Savior, came to be with us, and how important that is. Um, So as we study each week and we go into this, what I'm asking everyone to do is you see those doors right there. When you walk through them, leave everything out. You got a lot of stuff to plan. You got a lot of events going on. You got a lot of gifts to buy. You got a lot of traveling. I mean, me just talking about it's probably already helping the anxiety in your heart raise, right? You're starting to feel it. Leave it out there. 
And if it helps to like, I mean, no, people might judge you a little bit because, you know, but, you know, if it helps to like set something down, if if you need to physically do something to kind of help you mentally and, and emotionally prepare to come and just reflect on Jesus, I encourage you to do that each and every week. To give Jesus one week or one hour of your week to just be like, no, I'm not going to focus on the Christmas stuff. I'm not going to focus on all the plans. I'm not going to stress. I'm just going to be here and prepare my heart for the coming of my King and how significant that is. I encourage you to do that each week. I'll be doing it. I might even be one of the weird ones that's just like, you know, I'm going to set this down. Um, we're going to move on in our, our study. What we're doing in our Advent series this year is we're going to go through the birth narrative and, and talk about the different people involved and, and what we can learn from them. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about the wise men. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you. Thank you for um, this time. Thank you for coming to be with us. Thank you for uh, this season that we get to celebrate. I have to imagine, God, that uh, if you could ask for one thing on your birthday each year, it would be that we just set, a, set everything down and just be good to each other. And, uh, and I feel like we do that to some degree. I pray, Lord, that this year you can help us do it even better than we ever have before and really reflect on what this means for us and how great our God is that you came to be with us. Uh, so God, help us prepare our hearts for that and uh, be with us as we uh, learn right now. Um, this is your time. We give it over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, where we meet the story of the wise men or the magi. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, and I'm just going to read the first two verses uh, for right now. It says this, it'll be in your notes or on the screen here, or you can open up a Bible and, and read it. I'm reading out of the ESV. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now, I have to uh, admit a little bit of an embarrassing fact. So I, I was studying for this, like I do, I study. Um, and uh, as I was looking at it, it was Herod the king, and I was, I was, the commentary that I was looking at really focused in that this was Herod Antipas, uh, because Herod Antipas is, is a Herod at the time. But then I got a text after uh, that from my dad, actually, and he was like, it was actually Herod the Great. Uh, so I got called out by my dad after service, and I was like, oh, dad, you watched my sermon? That's nice. Uh, but only to correct me, apparently. Um, no, he actually told me I did a good job, which was nice. Uh, but uh, apparently there's some debate here, whether this was Herod Antipas or Herod the Great. Um, so last, ser- last service I did Herod Antipas. Today, I'll, or this service, I'll do Herod the Great. Either way, it, it's the same guy. You can kind of get a picture of what's going on here. He, he struggles. Anyway, neither one of them were very good people. But they were, what they were, what Herod was, was a... Uh, a person that was overseeing a region that was given authority by the emperor to oversee the Jewish region. The Roman Empire was very smart. They used the people of the land to oversee their land uh, because they knew that like, while they had military force and other people in there, like there was still like Pontius Pilate and other people that had authority in that land, 
they knew that the best way to govern people was by people that knew those people. So they gave authority and gave incentives to people of the land to you know, do that. They also used the same method in tax collecting. They, told, they got people from the land to be their tax collectors. That's why throughout the Gospels you hear such negative things about tax collectors is because they're seen as, as traitors, basically. Um, so Herod is kind of one of these traitors that's overseeing the people based on the Roman Empire, and he benefits from that position. Uh, and he uh, is overseeing this time, and he's, he's overseeing this region of Judea and Bethlehem, and he encounters a group of wise men who have come uh, to, to see a king being born. They don't know, we don't know too much about these men, we don't know... Anything about them? One of the things that I'll note that if you look at that story, how many of them were there? Three. Three. Where did you read that? It's not in there. Ooh, my blown. No, right. There. Some of you probably already knew this, but there's, there's. Uh, we don't know how many there were. There was at least two, right? Because the wise men, you know, pluralized. There, there's at least two. I would assume there's more than three. I think there's a group of them. Uh, because, you know, it's not fun to travel in just a couple. You know, you want to get a group together. Let's go for a road trip together, guys. Uh, so that's what they uh, did. I, I think there's more of them. And I also think Herod re- reacts to this kind of negatively. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into that. But I think that's because there's, this is a significant group. He's paying attention. He didn't just see a couple of men walk through his town. He saw a group of men walk through his town. That's what I think. So, uh, but at least we don't know it's three. We just we, People have traditionally thought that because of the three gifts they give Jesus. Um, we also know that what they're doing, how they're getting here, is by following a star. We don't know where they came from, how far they've been traveling. We don't know what star they're talking about. There's a lot of speculation. You could do a lot of study about seeing the night sky at the time and what that might have been and who knows. Um, but they were following something that was bright and significant in their eyes, and, and so they were some kind of astrologers or magicians or something, and they, and they paid attention to these things. They were waiting and watching for a sign, and they got it. And they chose to walk uh, and, and travel a significant distance to go meet a king that they believe was tied to this star. Uh, and so that's, that's what they're doing, and they, they come into this town, uh, and Herod sees them and is like, what's going on, guys? What are you here to do? He's, he's, you know, he's a powerful guy. He wants, wants to know what's going on in his region, and these seem like wealthy individuals, so he's like, what are you, what are you guys doing here? Uh, and so they tell him, we're here to see the king, and we're following this star. Let's read on. Verse 3. When Herod, the king, had heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, doesn't tell us what that was. Uh, Verse 8, And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Uh, So he... He encounters them, they tell him that they're coming to here to see this king that they are following the star to find, and uh, he doesn't know what they're talking about. So Herod doesn't have, uh, he's not really living by scripture. He doesn't really know scripture that well because he wasn't paying attention, doesn't know these stories, so he has to Google it in this day and age, which is just to go ask the scribes and, and the chief priests and say, hey, what 
are these guys talking about? Is there any, is there any uh, foundation for what they're saying? Might there be a Christ here? And they tell him that, yes, there are prophecies that point to a Christ being born in Bethlehem. And that, that passage that they're getting uh, is from Micah chapter 5. Uh, and at that time, uh, a ruler, like, uh, let's, let's take our, our New Testament hat off for a minute and put an Old Testament hat on, that we don't know about Jesus just yet. Uh, we don't know that the Messiah is coming. We don't know any of that for a moment. A ruler out of Bethlehem that will be a, a leader and shepherd the people of Israel. Who does that sound like? Anyone know? Well, it's Jesus, but who is another person that fits that description? David. King David, he was a ruler. He was a king, right? He was selected out of Bethlehem. That's where David came from. Uh, And he would shepherd God's people. Do you know what David did before he was king? He was a shepherd. So this all points to to David and this, this passage that most of the people up to this point, up until Jesus comes, this passage was clearly marked about David. Now, one of the things I want to make clear, when you read these Old Testament uh, insertions into the New Testament. When, when Matthew is writing this and he's, he's pointing out these things, he's going to make a lot of these. And all the gospel writers point out passages that point to Jesus. Uh, what I want you to understand, it's not overriding what was done before. It's adding to, it's fulfilling. And so David, David was the ruler that God called out of Bethlehem that would shepherd God's people. But so is Jesus. Jesus is the completion of that. And it's important for us to understand both of those stories because it helps us understand the type of ruler that Jesus will be. He will be in the line of David. He will be a ruler like David. That's the type of ruler that God is calling out of Bethlehem like he did before and he's doing again because it's the same God and he's working through his people. God has been throughout the entire Old Testament establishing who he is with his people and he is completing that in Jesus. And so... When we read that, it's always good to go back and find out what they're talking about and not just overwrite what was said before and assume, oh, that was always about Jesus. No, it was about David, but it was also about Jesus. And so uh, understand that as, as we read through and when you go through the Gospels and see that story. Um, another thing that I want to point out in this is that he is troubled. He's troubled by this. He, he doesn't like the idea. There's a king being born in his kingdom. That's, it's not good news. Uh, he likes being king. He likes his power. He likes his authority. He does not want to give it up or cede it to anybody else. And the fact that this tiny little infant at the time, young baby Jesus, already has a group of people coming from a faraway land to come and worship him, not a good sign for, for Herod. So he, he's troubled by it. And one of the things I want to point out, is, and we'll talk about this more a little bit later, but... The people, he is troubled because he enjoys the way the world works as, as it is. He enjoys his position. He enjoys his value, where he gets it from. He enjoys the power that he has, the authority that he has. And he doesn't like anyone rivaling, rivaling that or changing that. And he's threatened by Jesus. And he should be threatened by Jesus. Because if you know anything about who Jesus is and what he will do with his life, he is here to disrupt all that. He's, to flip, he's here to flip the world on his head. Just like we talked about before, that everything in our world seems to operate where we have to ascend somewhere, Jesus is flipping the script and saying, I'm coming down to be with you. And he's, he's changing that for all of us. He's here to disrupt all of our, our world around us. So if you are one of the people that likes the way the world works, where you can build your power, your authority, your fame, and you can find your, your purpose in that and you're excited about that, you should be threatened by Jesus. 
because he's going he's gonna to mess that up. Uh, he, he wants to disrupt that. He wants to change that because he wants you to be a person that's not about what you can get for yourself, but what you can give to others. That's what he's here to model and do himself, and that's what he's calling all of his people to do as well. So Herod should be threatened, not for the reasons Herod is threatened, but Herod should be threatened because Jesus is here to flip the world on its head. All right, let's read on. Verse um, 8, or after verse 8. So they went on, they went to worship him. Herod said, hey, when you find him, get back to me so that I can worship him too. And verse 9, we continue on. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen, when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I'm going to read that again. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. How much joy can you fit in a sentence? A lot, apparently. And, when, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed into their own country by another way. So, they continue on their journey. And as it happens, the star appears before them. And uh, they, they go to where they go. They've been following the star for a long time. I don't know if it was there the whole time. Maybe it was disappearing at different times. Maybe they weren't able to see it. Maybe it was just a cloudy night one night. And they just don't really know exactly where to go. Uh, but at this point, they see the star. They know where it's going. And they, they, they get told by Herod that the direction they're headed is Bethlehem. And so they head to Bethlehem and they find the house. Notice it says the house. What's the problem with that? Where was Jesus born? In a manger. He was probably, it was probably a cave, some kind of place, shelter for animals. Not a house, because remember, there was no room for him at the inn. But where did the wise men find him? At a house. So was Je- were the wise men there for Jesus' birth? No, probably not. So all those manger scenes that you've seen and all that, it's all a lie. You've been lied to. No, I'm just kidding. They were there, they're part of the story, but they weren't there at the birth. And that doesn't make it any less significant. That doesn't make it any less important. We can still learn quite a bit from that story. It just means that the shepherds probably showed up at a different time, the wise men showed up at a different time, and we, our manger scenes are just a little wonky there because of that. But don't worry, you don't have to throw them away. I'm not telling you to go ahead and do that. Um, they, they still showed up, and they were excited. They saw the star, and I love that phrase. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Another thing that I get frustrated this time of year as we get built up to Christmas is I think we, we miss out on the joy of, of the season because we're so stressed with all of ourselves. As, as I become more of, a, more of an adult, yes, I'm still working on that, um, but as I, I become more and more of an adult, the more the, the planning and the, all the stuff that goes on, I'm a... I like to give gifts, and I like to give very good gifts. My wife gets frustrated because I, I don't feel like it's ever good enough. I want to spend more or do more. Because You ever get a gift that you're just like, yeah, that's really nice, but I'm not going to really use this. I never want to do that to somebody. I always want to give somebody something they will use, something that's important to them. But you know how hard it is to find that for everybody? And it's like, I, it's, it's such a challenge for me, and I just can't give anything. I have to give something good. Uh, so this, year, these, this time of year is frustrating for me because I, I feel like I, I can never find the things that I'm looking for that really help me feel good about giving them away. Um, so it, 
it kind of steals my joy. Also, you know, working at a church, Christmas is a pretty busy, busy season, so it's hard, you know, to keep track of everything. And so I start to lose my joy. I, I start to miss out. But these wise men right now, they've been following, and, and who knows how long this has taken. They were waiting and watching for a star to appear for who knows how long. Years? Decades? Centuries? I mean, probably not the same guys, but who knows how long this has been a pattern for them that they've been waiting. And finally, they go on a journey, and who knows how long that takes for them to get there. Maybe the star appears right when Jesus is born, and it takes them a couple years to get there. And that's why they're in a house now. Who knows? We don't really know. Matthew doesn't give us a whole lot of information here. Uh, But we know that it probably took them a while. And the whole time they're excited, they're anticipating, they're waiting, they're excited. They've been waiting for this moment for so long, they knew this was going to happen. We don't really understand why, but we know that they they were convinced. They were coming to meet the king of the Jews. And so they they were on their way, they were excited. And when they saw the star and they finally reached their destination, they were so excited. And one of the things I'm praying for this year is that uh, we can all be filled with that joy. That excitement of knowing what, what we're coming up to, what we're celebrating this time of year, the kind of joy that you had maybe when you were a kid and you were so excited about Christmas season because you knew the gifts that you wanted to get and you were hoping for and ultimately were disappointed because you didn't get the video games you were hoping. Now, anyway, uh, that was just my personal experience. Um, but that kind of joy that we should be anticipating, waiting for, longing for, that's what they had. And I, I hope that we can, that can be built up in us to remember what we're celebrating this time of year. And we can every week be more and more excited about that celebration. Um, so they're excited. They, they come to the house and they see the child in, with his mother Mary and they fell down and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasures and offered him gold, uh, frankincense, and myrrh. And I I love these two things. One, they fell down and worshipped him. Uh, One of the quotes that I read uh, while studying for this I thought was really cool is a man named J.C. Ryle wrote this about the wise men. They saw no miracles to convince them. They heard no teaching to persuade them. They beheld no signs of divinity and greatness to overawe them. They saw nothing but a newborn infant, helpless and weak and needing a mother's care like any one of ourselves. And yet, when they saw that infant, they believed that they saw the the divine savior of the world. They fell down and worshiped him. What a cool thing, you know? I, sometimes I feel like when we're, we're coming to our worship of God, when we're anticipating God, we're, we're, we're waiting for something extravagant or incredible or magnificent, or, and, and we miss out on some of the, the, the humble little details of the way that God reaches out to us. That it doesn't have to be extravagant. This is just a, a baby. They've, they've gone on this journey. They've waited all this time. They followed this star, and eventually they come to this house, and what do they find? Just a child. And yet... They worship him. I wonder how many of us would be disappointed, you know? After all that journey, after all that time, we were expecting to see something better, something bigger, something more important. Would we have been disappointed with just a child? Uh, they weren't. They were excited and they knew. They were confronted by this Jesus and they knew this is, this is the king that we were searching for. And they bow down and they worship him. And then I love the other phrase that says, they opened up their treasures they opened up, they brought gifts with them. They brought things that they knew. So not only were they waiting all this time and traveling all this far, but they also were storing up treasures to give to this child. So they offered gifts. And the, the three gifts, you can read into it if you want uh, the meaning. It is kind of significant. I don't know that this is 
for sure what it was all about, but gold is, is a gift that you often give to a king. You know, that's, that's a kingly gift, gold. Frankincense is, is, uh, is something that smells good and it's often used by priests. And myrrh is something that uh, they use to embalm dead bodies. So he's a king and a priest and he was going to die. Uh, you, can, you can see that. It doesn't necessarily mean much, but it, it can help us understand that maybe that was foreshadowing uh, the life that Jesus would live uh, and who he was. So that's what these, these three or multiple men, whoever, however many of them were, they came before Jesus, they traveled all that way, and they bowed down and opened up their treasures and gave to him, and they worshiped him, and they had this faith. I'm reminded of, of Abraham uh, on this journey because Abraham's story starts with uh, God just speaking to him and telling him to go somewhere. And, and they, so Abraham does. He takes, picks up his whole family and goes, and he goes to the land that God would f- give to his, his future generations, his people. That's the land that Jesus is being born in. And here are all these, these men that have been waiting for that Messiah to be born and they travel all that way and they, they go and they, they have the same type of faith where they're not sure how it's all going to work out, but they're going to follow anyway. And they arrive what, where they were looking for and they're excited and they worship. Um, so after this story, it's kind of sad. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie to you. So after this, they decide not to go. They get a dream. The wise men get a dream and they decide not to go back through Herod because they didn't really trust that guy. Uh, and they didn't like the, the tone or whatever. And they're just like, no, we're going to go a different way. So they go back a different way. Uh, but Herod, Herod gets mad. Herod doesn't like that. He doesn't like being duped. He doesn't like that they come back. And he's still threatened, remember? He's still uneasy. He doesn't like the idea of this king. Uh, and so he orders that all the male children under the age of two in the town of Bethlehem be murdered. Now, this is not a big town, so it's probably not a huge number of kids. But, you know, still a tragedy, obviously. Horrible event. Uh, but before that, Joseph, Mary's, or, uh, yeah, Mary's husband, he gets a dream, and he is re- told to go down to Egypt. So Mary, Joseph, and Jesus all escape down to Egypt, and I'm betting, I'm betting those three new gifts that they got help pay for their journey uh, and their lives. So God is providing for his son, and they get out of there. I also like that connection, like, oh, I've heard this story before. Joseph has a dream and ends up in Egypt. Now, anyway, um, but... One of the things that I studied recently, I was listening to a, a sermon by Tim Keller, and, and one, of this, one of the things he brought up, and it was actually a completely different thing, uh, but we see it here in Herod, and it's a running theme throughout the Gospels that we see, that when you're confronted by Jesus, you have two responses. The two responses are either you kill him or you crown him. There's really not much in between that there's, there's, no, there's no real in-between there, that, that you're either finding yourself in this world liking the way it operates, liking your position, your value, and you like how everything works. And so when Jesus comes and he's threatening the way things are and he's trying to shift the paradigm and he's this humble man, you want to kill him because he, he's changing the way things are. You don't like that. I, I don't want my life to be changed. I don't want my world to be changed. I like who I am, I like where I'm at, and that's Herod's response. He wants to kill Jesus. He wants to kill Jesus because he's threatened by what Jesus is bringing to this world. He's threatened by the fact that his position might be in jeopardy. Wise men have a different response. They choose to crown him. They choose to see this this infant Jesus and say, you know what? This is our king. This is who we traveled all this way for, and we trust, we believe, we have faith in him. 
And so we're going to crown him because we, we don't care about the way the world operates right now. We care about the truth, and the truth is, is Jesus. And so that's, that's what uh, we, we have the same reaction, I believe, still to this day when we are encountering Jesus, that we, we might feel uncomfortable like Herod because we like the way things operate. And understand this, that if there's still part of you that is clinging to the ways of this world and the way it operates, you're going to be threatened by Jesus. And you're going to have to make the choice where you're, going to, you're either going to kill him or crown him, whether you're going to be so frustrated that you want him gone or whether you encounter him and you realize, you know, this is the truth that I've been searching for and you fall to your knees and worship him. So that's, that's how we, we come before Jesus and that's something that as we prepare our hearts, I want us to be thinking about and reflecting on is, is what part of our lives are, are we disturbed and threatened by? What parts of our life are we like Herod where we want Jesus gone? And what parts of our life are we bowing down and worshiping him? And hopefully as we get ready for Advent, we can have God work on our hearts so that we're ready to bow down and worship him joyfully like the, like the wise men did. So let's look at the wise men and, and see from this story what we can learn from them. The first thing that the wise men did that I noticed is that they waited and watched. This actually isn't even a part of the story. We just know that they picked, up the, the, they picked up the scent of the star, they saw it, and they were like, okay, now we're going to go. But if they were going to be following that star, they had to be waiting and watching for it. Uh, so that's what they were doing. They were waiting and watching. So one of the things I actually heard that was actually kind of interesting is that maybe these wise men were actually part of, uh, they were connected with some from the Jews from the exile. Uh, some people think that they were connected to uh, the prophet Daniel, and that they were in that school and they, they studied the, the things that the prophets were saying. And so um, maybe they had some information. They knew some of the scriptures and knew what they were waiting for. Uh, maybe they didn't. Maybe they were just people that believed that the next star they saw, the next big bright star was going to lead them to the king. I don't know. Um, but all I know is that they were waiting and watching for it. They knew something was coming and they had faith and believed in it. And so they waited and they watched and uh, one of the things I want us to be doing is, is as this season goes along, is uh, as we prepare for the coming of Jesus, are we waiting and watching? Can we be better about being, looking around us? And this is one of the simple prayers that will actually help your relationship with Christ quite a bit, is if you start your day or your week by saying, okay, God, what is it you want me to see? What is it you want me to do? What is it that I can do? How might I be able to serve you and worship you this week? If you start your day that way, you start your week that way, you're, you're going to be looking at it differently, and I guarantee you're going to see something. That's my, that's my personal guarantee, that if you give God the opportunity to show up in your life and you ask him to do that, he'll come through for you. So be looking, be waiting, be watching, like the wise men. The next thing that they do is they go. Now, this is something that I think we get mixed up on sometimes, is that we think that we're supposed to constantly be going. No, no, no. If you are constantly moving, constantly doing, constantly working, what are you not doing? You're not waiting and watching. If the, if the, the wise men were already on, in motion doing a bunch of different stuff, they don't notice the star when it, when it appears. So we don't have to constantly be going, but we do have to go. 
when that star appears, when it becomes clear, if you pray this prayer and say, hey, God, show up and is there anything I can be doing or anything that I can serve you in this time, any way that I can bless others, if you start praying those prayers and those moments, those opportunities arise, go, do it. You don't have to constantly be moving. You don't have to constantly make things happen because you'll probably not be listening to God. You'll be listening to yourself. Wait, watch, and then when, when you get the sign that you're looking for, when you get the moment that you're appearing, and I guarantee it'll be clear to you, go, do. We have to live in this tension, and this is something that I encourage everybody to do. You, I don't want anybody to be so occupied with what they think they have to do that they can't hear God, they can't see God, and they, they're not waiting and watching to see what God is telling them to do. Something I love that Dan mentioned was that we want to be a church that is waiting and guided by the Holy Spirit. That we're not a church that's getting ahead of itself and choosing to do whatever it wants because we think we know what's right. We're a church that waits and listens to the Holy Spirit and goes when it calls us. But that also means we don't go to the other end where we do nothing, where we're constantly just waiting and watching and doing nothing. No, when the wise men saw the star, they went, they left. And it was a long journey. They, they picked up all their provisions and they left. So we have to live in that tension where, where we are waiting and listening to the Holy Spirit, but we're also going when we're called. The other two things that I see that the wise men do is they offer gifts and they worship. Um, those, those two things that when they come to Jesus, remember, they haven't seen anything extravagant. All they see is an infant uh, in his mother's arms, and yet they're not disappointed they fall down, they worship, and they offer gifts. And these two things I want us to be working on as we prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus. Let's give generously, and let's worship joyfully. And I'm pretty sure those two things are tied together. You want to worship more joyfully? Give more generously. You want to give more generously? Worship more joyfully. Those are two actions that can help you develop this. And when we get to, we have four weeks until we celebrate the coming of Jesus, we have enough time to be working on that and asking God for giving us opportunities to be generous, asking God for opportunities to work on our joy and worship joyfully. So this season, I encourage you to, to give generously. And that's not me saying give here generously. I'm just saying be generous in general. Just give generously everywhere and worship joyfully everywhere. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.